0: seems like a long time ago to me now but just three weeks ago, I was in the Bahamas. (laughs) I was there on a fly fishing trip with 13 other men and I wondered if that was going to be a bit much but it was actually great and it was a wonderful respite from the cold and dark of these days. That kind of fishing, which is called flats fishing because you're doing it on a tidal, shallow flat, it's mostly done from a boat that's being pulled along in shallow water by a guide who's standing on a platform over the stern. And in that kind of fishing, you spend a lot of time watching and waiting Occasionally interrupted by moments of excitement, if not panic, when all of a sudden the guide or maybe if you're lucky, you sight a fish coming towards you and you get this one chance to get a good cast off in the right place. No pressure. It's kind of like Advent, (laughs) waiting and watching and hoping and then comes a moment when you glimpse something moving beneath the surface, and if you're lucky, you get to have this encounter with that mysterious and elusive presence. There it is, right now. (laughs) Well, one morning, it's all good, it's all good. Like, couldn't have planned that. Well, one of those mornings in the Bahamas, my buddy and I, we were out with the primo guide there. His name is Frankie. And he's the owner of the place where we were staying. And he's a big and friendly guy with this deep laugh. And so on that bright and beautiful morning, we were out on Frankie's boat and he was quietly poling along the flat. We had just gotten started. And we were intently watching the water. And we were having this sporadic conversation, just starting to get to know him and he, and he, us. And my buddy, I'm not sure how I felt about this, but he mentioned to Frankie that I was a pastor. And this caught his interest. And so he said, what church do you pastor at? And I said universalist because I figured Unitarian Universalist was long and he was gonna have no idea and it was gonna be too much to try to explain. But still, even with universalist, Frankie still looked puzzled. So I said, universalism is the belief that God's love is so big that nobody is beyond it. We believe that in the end, everyone is going to be reconciled to God, that nobody gets left behind. And so this started an interesting theological conversation out there on the water. And after a few minutes, Frankie said, you need to send me some information about this church. He wanted to learn more about us because His wife is more traditionally religious, he said, and he's never quite been down with that. And the idea of a church that encourages people to trust their own hearts and minds and their own experiences, well, that was appealing to him. We talked more, we talked about how too often church people and clergy act as if they have cornered the market on God. Act as if the only place you ever find God is in church or inside organized religion. And at one moment, Frankie looked around and he cast his hand out over the water, out toward the horizon, and he said, Isn't God all around? Isn't all this part of what God has made? Needless to say, that made me happy. It made me glad to be with someone who was an excellent fisherman, who wasn't afraid to articulate his own earthy faith. It made me think that maybe we you use could relax a little. And enjoy more this simple faith that we have been given. Which asks us to put love at the center. And to seek signs of grace and ways to serve. And that was pretty much the extent of our theological conversation. Because not long after we started catching fish. And we caught plenty of Beautiful fish that day. And we put them all back. Looking back on that blessed day, we started off talking about God. And then we drifted into just being in God. Just living in that mystery. Which was even better than talking about it. Just being present to that day. Keeping our eyes peeled for what might be revealed, doing the best that we could to respond to those gifts when they came, with accurate casts that were long enough, and then with some humor when we messed up. As the book title by Peter Matheson puts it, at play in the fields of the Lord. That's what that day felt like. And now, today, as we continue our conversation about that mystery that some of us call God, I hope we will explore how we encounter that mystery, how we put ourselves in the presence of the holy. And I want to start with some questions posed by the UU minister, Burton Carley. He asks Have you ever felt the spirit? Felt it tingle your toes, run up your spine, water your eyes, race your heart, pull you down to your knees, take your breath away. Is it not holy, this appreciative awareness of quality, this connection to what matters, this sparking of transcendence? He continues, Central to biblical spirituality and our faith is religious experience. One area of religious experience is the encounter with the holy. That experience manifests in times of awe, in times of encountering the mystery that challenges the human ego boundaries. It breaks forth in visions of covenant and grace and the urge to be in right relationship. It is discovered in expressions of hope, compassion, and justice that draw us to stand with others in the struggle for human dignity. And he then says, now this is the question. Why don't we want to stay in the presence of the Holy Spirit? Why don't we cry in agony when it is absent? Why aren't we doing everything in our power to catch it and keep it, to live in its glory, to be captured by it, and yes, to surrender to it? Have you had moments like the ones Burton Carley is talking about when you felt you were in the presence of that mystery, And if so, how did you respond? Did you want to bask in it? Or did you want to run in the opposite direction because it frightened you? Maybe some of both. We may be shy about discussing our spiritual encounters because they are hard to talk about. Words fail us, and we might hold back from seeking more experiences like this because they can feel scary and beyond our control. And yet, I do long for and hunger for experiences of that presence. And I wonder if you do too. And if you've done any of this seeking at all, you know that it's a paradox, right? If you go actively looking for the spirit, it's unlikely you're going to find it. Like if you go out in the woods hoping to see some wildlife. And as you walk along, you're chanting, come out, come out, wherever you are. (laughs) You're probably not going to see much. But if you sit down and be quiet, if you spend some time out there, who knows what you might encounter? Years ago, I was talking with my spiritual director. Her name is Mary. We were talking about this, about how elusive God can be, so much that one can wonder, are you there do you really exist? We were talking about this, and Mary told me about the same conversation she had once with a friend of hers who is a monk. And he said to her, in my experience, you have to apprehend God obliquely. In other words, if you're looking for God straight on, you're probably not going to find God. You have to be still and wait for God to find you. And if you're looking, you're more likely to get a glimpse of God out of the corner of your eye, just on the edge of your vision than straight ahead. Have you ever had this experience of seeing something in your peripheral vision? And then when you turn there to look, it seems there's nothing there. That happens to me all the time around here, particularly during the week when the building is often empty. And that's what our experiences of the Spirit can be like if we bring too much conscious attention to it, if we try too hard, if we look straight on, the spirit seems to vanish or go into hiding. But sometimes in my experience, that spirit is there just hiding in plain sight. Like when you're watching the sun slowly sink over the horizon at the end of the day, or when you're looking up at the stars in a dark night sky. Or for me, it's at this time of year in the car, singing along with Handel's Messiah. You all have your own experiences of things that lift your spirits, right? And that sometimes surprisingly bring tears to your eyes or take your breath away, You sense that you're not alone. That in that moment you have what Martin Luther King called cosmic companionship. I think of a nondescript hallway in the hospital where my children were born. It was like many other institutional and fluorescent corridors. But I could swear to you, that in the hours following each of their births, it was like there was this glow of yellow light at that end of the hallway, what in our family we like to call God rays. It was like there was this glow there lighting up that hall where the babies are born, a glow that I remember to this day. And when we're gathered here, when you rest your eyes on the light shining through our stained glass windows or maybe on the face of Jesus or on his open hands or maybe on our chalice flame, what's that like? There's so much beauty around here that one could apprehend. And I wonder Have you ever glimpsed out of the corner of your eye someone wiping a tear away? Or perhaps caressing a child? Isn't that an oblique sighting of the holy? And all these flickering candles that you have lit, representing your prayers and hopes and longings if you sit here and look at those flickering flames and you wonder about the people who lit those candles and about those prayers aren't you having a religious experience a quiet religious experience since the beginning of time people have created these images of the divine. These images that reflected their own perspectives and biases and circumstances. And these images I'm afraid have given us the false idea that the holy is something we can represent, that we can describe, that we can pin down even. But anything that fits within the limits of our understanding is too small to be the mystery that some of us call God. The invitation is to just be open to that mystery without trying to understand it or describe it. To just be in its presence. What if we made a practice of expecting to find the holy in our midst? What if we started looking for moments of grace and signs of wonder in the most unexpected places, like in our daily lives, in our homes, and even in our workplaces, in our everyday encounters? Just at the edge of our vision, just on the edge of sight. The invitation is to let go and let the Holy move in us because the mystery is all around, my friends. The Spirit is very near you. Now, And always. Amen.